1: Well hello again, everybody. It is the Blue Gold Report. I am Mike Rags, going to bring Todd Burlage in here in a second. Of course, welcome to everyone who's found us. Subscribe to us, rate and review the Blue Gold Report. And if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 on Saturday morning, good morning to you all. Busy show as usual. We got a, our old fr- friend Black uh, back, uh, Mason Plummer, who joined us last week from uh he's back again and he's hanging out with us and uh slap the sign of course.com and and we'll talk recruiting with him todd had a nice one-on-one with uh with mason and uh todd wants to rank the worst to best uh position groups uh in on the football team it's all football today mostly until we get into the nuggets uh todd how you doing my friend Doing all right, Rags. How are you, sir? Not too bad. Of course, Todd Burlage from Blue Gold Illustrated. Um, It's hot, uh, very hot, (laughs) (laughs) and it's about time.
0: I'm going to head out to that senior open, too, so I'm going to have to bring a sweat towel for that one, I think.
1: Yeah, as we recorded this, David Toms was tied with Steve Stricker over there at Warren uh, on the campus of Notre Dame. Uh, Is there a buzz? I, I haven't been there yet. I was actually, I have tickets as well. Is there a buzz on that campus for that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's actually a bigger deal than what I was expecting. A lot of road closures, it's a little bit tricky to get around there. Um, but yeah, they're expecting a lot of folks, and obviously it's a star-studded field, and I think they're all playing for $4 million, so not too shabby there either.
1: Not too bad. I did see uh, Tom Lehman uh, do his uh, social uh, media video of slapping the sign himself. So uh, uh, it should be a lot of fun, and hopefully, you know what the key is, to hydrate uh Todd, in, in temperatures <laughs> right. like this. Uh, we hydrate, maybe not with water, but uh, they'll have to use water uh, or a Gatorade <laughs> or something like that. All right, Todd, uh, we always start the show with blue gold nuggets. What do you got for us?
0: Yeah, three pack rags. We'll start with a uh, brief one on women's hoops here. The hits kind of keep coming from Muffet McGraw and her gang. Jordan Nixon, the sophomore to be point guard, is taking her talents elsewhere. Uh, she's following the lead of Danielle Patterson. Ironically, these two were high school teammates at Mary Lewis Academy in New York City. Um, So Danielle Patterson left. She's going to go to IU. And now Jordan Nixon is following in her footsteps. She has not announced where she will go. Both these girls were somewhat of a surprise for me when you lose five starters. And these two were indeed role players big time last year. Got a lot of playing time. As a matter of fact, Nixon played in 26 of the 39 games, averaged 14.5 minutes, 2.5 points, and 1.3 assists. So certainly... Even behind that front line of great starters, she was getting her playing time. A um, little bit surprised she's leaving, but she is out of here. So uh, we wish her well. And also, just one more small little note on the women's hoops front: last week, the uh, 2018-19 team national runner-ups were honored by the South Bend Common Council, and Muffet McGraw was handed to the key to the city—a well-earned key to the city for Muffet. Moving on to football here, Rags, you remember when in 2017? when 35,000 Georgia fans made their way to Notre Dame Stadium basically turned it into a a Bulldog home game. Well, and ND gets its shot at it now. United Airlines announced this week that nine games will, three of them Notre Dame, six of them other uh, venues around the country, they're going to offer direct flights. The three that pertain to Notre Dame, South Bend to Atlanta for the Georgia game. And then one incoming, L.A. to South Bend for the USC game. That Georgia game is on uh, September 21st, incidentally. The USC game is on October 12th. And then one more, South Bend to rally durham for the Duke game on November 9th. And again, those are the three games that pertain to Notre Dame with the direct flights. United is doing nine of those total. A little bit of bad news on the football front here, although probably not the end of the world. Junior offensive guard Aaron Banks, who really is well on the upswing, had a great spring and a great finish to last season. Had to have foot surgery last week. Uh, 6'6, 325 pounds, a little bit of a setback. He is expected to be back in time for training camp. You know, he played in all 13 games last year, but really made his mark after Alex Bars was injured uh, in that fifth game of the season. Became a frontline starter, and a lot of people think that Aaron Banks might be the best offensive lineman on this entire team. Uh, certainly, he'll be back this year and probably next year as well. And those are your blue gold nuggets.
1: And, you know, horrible news. Uh, We've followed the case, we haven't really talked about it much, but uh, Sierra Wood and his girlfriend were both indicted on murder and, ch- and 20 child abuse charges. So that came down the pike uh, earlier this week, too. So uh, we all know what happened there. So he can't be punished enough, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. we're going to have Mason Plummer come in here. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mason Plummer, in just a bit. Talk about some recruiting news uh, as they keep At uh, Mason
0: Plummer 6, if I'm not mistaken. At Mason
1: Plumber 6, yeah. Didn't I, I didn't say 6. I thought I said you, 6.
0: You left the 6
1: out of there. At Mason Plummer 6, yes. <laughs> I have it up right here on the screen, a contributor to Slack to sign so mason's going to join us in a bit but todd uh let's run through some positions here uh where's the first and and see what we're handling uh what we've got uh, ahead of us for the upcoming season yeah we kind of broke down the depth chart both from an
0: offensive standpoint and a defensive standpoint i thought it might be kind of fun to lump them all together and figure out in at least my opinion where the biggest concerns are and where i feel pretty good about these units uh, there's 10 of them. Let me start with special teams, because that probably is my biggest worry um, of all of the units. You know, you lose Justin Yoon, the most accurate and uh, kicker in Notre Dame history, the all-time leading scorer, and he's replaced by junior Jonathan Dorer, who actually was benched last year uh, due to poor kickoffs and only has one career field goal. Punting-wise, Tyler Newsom, he was a captain, four-year starter, um, and a freshman will take over for him and Jay Bramblett. I think the most important person on this unit might be a walk on by the name of Harrison Leonard that Notre Dame went out and sought after because they're just not convinced that Dorr is going to get it done. Uh, Leonard, like I said, is a walk on. He's rated as the number seven kicker in the country. So certainly he will get a chance to take that starting job. Moving on to linebacker, my number nine unit. um, Really the only returners, fifth year, returning starters, fifth year senior grad student, Asmar Bilal. Uh, but all of his time rags has been spent outside, and now they have to move him inside. Uh, junior Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, he's probably one of the best athletes on the team. He'll get his shot, but again, we don't know a lot about him. Untested. Think, And then Jack Lamb as well, uh, sophomore. He should not get a lot of playing time as well. Again, untested. I think the most important guy on this unit is a young man, sophomore, Shane Simon. This guy came in with all kinds of recruiting accolades, Supposed to make a big splash, really didn't get much of a chance last year, perhaps underachieved a little bit. He's gonna have to make some big strides for this unit to be successful. I think number eight for me is the tight ends, only because again, the production hasn't been there. Certainly the talent and the recruiting rankings are. Uh Cole Komet leads the way here, and he, I believe, he is the most important player in this unit. And I think he could really he he sets up rags for me. Among all the Notre Dame players to have that bust out season, I think he will, and I think he'll become at least a second round NFL draft pick once all is said and done. And his career is over. Keep an eye on Brock Wright as well, too. Uh, so it's a couple of really good players here, just a little bit unproven. That seems to be the uh, theme so far with some of these units. I'm most concerned about number seven unit for me: cornerback. Certainly, you have Troy Pride out there on the boundary, but he's really the only proven player, and that's why I think Houston Griffith, the sophomore who, in my opinion, did underachieve last year. They did everything they could to keep him in the rotation, and they did, in some expect, uh, um, in many ways. But at the same time, he never really found a home. And I think that's why Griffith, on that other side, uh, that field corner, I think he is the most important player on the unit and probably the biggest concern as well. Moving on to number 6, my number 6 unit uh, running back. Uh, Tony Jones Jr., certainly terrific. Uh, In spots, Jafar Armstrong had a nice year. He's my most important guy because of his dual-threat capabilities. You know, those two guys, when you remember Dexter Williams last year, was out for the first four games. Armstrong and Jones, they actually combined for 5.5 yards of rush and 6.6 yards per touch. Okay, When Dexter came in, it was 5.6 yards per rush and 6.3 yards per touch. So really the same kind of production rags, Uh, and I, I think that's why... Um, I feel pretty good about this unit,
1: and they've got the best first name in the unit in Sibo. Always, always good to have that advantage. (laughs)
0: <laughs> For sure, I know that's your favorite on the team, and hopefully, we'll see a little of him this year. I think we probably will see some of those young guys. Well, he, that didn't he returned
1: get... some kicks last year, right? He did. A, I remember him in that Ball State game. He had he had a couple kick returns there.
0: Yeah, he was out and about there. I don't know if he. Yeah, I'm not sure if he had any carries rags, to be honest with you. He might it not have. Like maybe they had maybe so many people in that. Duty. Yeah,
1: they had so many people in that position. I don't remember him. You know, it's like it was a blur after a while. Who was getting the ball? <laughs> yes, it was. Um, after running backs, I have quarterback,
0: uh, which might surprise a few mm. people. But you know, even it probably mainly because of the depth. Uh, uh, what do you really have behind Ian Book? And frankly, Ian Book, you know, while he had set all the records for percentage last year and and, and all that good stuff, eight and one record as a starter, two hundred ninety passing yards a game. You know, it was that dink and dunk stuff that really bothered people. And frankly, Rags, during spring ball, I didn't see how he looked much different than last year. Now maybe he'll prove me wrong. Um, but uh, Ian Book, obviously the most important player in that unit, because really there's nothing behind him.
1: Well, and you said at best, even if he plays great, the unit as a whole it leaves you worried in case he gets injured. You are uh, up a creek here if, if something goes wrong. Unlike other years where we were complaining about the quarterback being too deep at times, right? This is uh, an injury away from a lost season.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, maybe they'll surprise us a little bit. But uh, Phil Djurkovic, he didn't. He really didn't do much in in the spring. And looked horrible in the spring game. I don't think he's coming along as they had hoped or expected, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, after quarterback, I think the rest of these units I feel really good about, to be honest with you. Um as sort of for the fourth best unit to me is the wide receivers. Obviously, you have Chase Claypool a legitimate first round NFL draft pick next year. Um and, and then Chris Fink was so clutch to uh it was about sixty seven percent of his catches went for first downs last year. And I think Michael Young is going to emerge on that other side opposite Claypool. And that's why I think he is the most important player for me um, in this position group. And I think Michael Young will have a good year. I think with that three-pack of receivers, they're in pretty good hands. Moving on to number 2 for me is, uh, as far as the unit's concerned, uh, offensive line. Four starters back. Definitely some legitimate NFL prospects. I mentioned Aaron Banks earlier. I think Liam Eichenberg also there at left tackle. I think Robert Hainsy on the other side at right tackle. All three of those guys are legitimate, legitimate NFL prospects, and you could probably make a case for Tommy Kramer as well. Jeff Quinn's done a nice job with this unit. I think Liam Eichenberg will have to show some improvement. He was thrown in there, first year starter, did an adequate job, but man, he had to go up against some bulls on that, you know, at that position think he's going to be better equipped. And also the guys he has to block against at Notre Dame on that line will help him get that much better as well. Second best unit to me on the team, uh, safeties. I think they're going to be fabulous. Um, Jalen Elliott, uh, he, he kind of leads the way for me. He's the only player to start. All 26 games the last two seasons on offense or defense, Alohi Gilman is fabulous from a leadership standpoint and a production standpoint. This unit is in very good hands, and I think it's going to be, you know, it's kind of, Rags, we've heard it before, and it's very true. The safeties are kind of the quarterback of the defense in many ways, so they have a couple guys that really uh, can impose their will on the other guys, I think.
1: Well, and I don't think it's any surprise to anybody who you got at number one because up front they're as, about as deep and as old as you'd want on the line.
0: Yeah, for sure. Defensive line, yep. fabulous. It's, it might be as good as Notre Dame's ever fielded rags from a depth and talent standpoint. Yep. Um, there's been some good lines and some good line players, but I just don't remember the depth. Obviously, it all starts with Julian O'Quara, uh and Khalid Kareem on the two ends there. Dalen Hayes, he. He'll back those guys up, and this is a guy that could start and probably be an all-conference, te- uh, first-team all-conference player in about any other team in the country. So that goes to show you the depth right there. Few question marks inside. Obviously, trying to replace Jerry Tillery will not be easy. But I think when you just look at the the raw numbers and the great talent here, they're going to be able to move so many fresh legs in here but that's why indeed the defensive line to me is the heart and soul of this defense for sure. And maybe the heart and soul of the team and certainly in my opinion, uh the best unit. I think if you had to single out one guy as far as me, uh I would say Julian Aquara is probably the most important guy here. First of all, he's just so disruptive. He's amazing off the edge, but I think more importantly, he needs to clean it up a little bit. He missed about twenty sacks last year that he had a legitimate chance of securing and he's trying to work harder to do a better job of not missing so many tackles.
1: Well, he had seven in all, uh, and he—I know he had like he had 21 QB hurries. Seven mm-hmm. of them were in the pit game, so he totally dominated that game. And I think right. the reason why he stood out even more last year was because remember a couple years ago, it's one of the the things this team lacked was any kind of sack, sacks or tackles for loss. Right. Um, they right. really struggled in that department, so he really stood out even more because, oh, my gosh, we finally have a rusher here that can come around and and do something.
0: Great point, too. 2016 was a disaster. Notre Dame was down near the bottom of the national pack in both of those categories, sacks and tackles for loss. I sure wish I had it in front of me, Rags. I'm going to take a stab at it. If I remember correctly, Notre Dame did not have a sack as a team until, I want to say, game six or game seven.
1: Wow. And if you remember, Julian had an interception last year, too, in the big game the start the whole season. So yeah. that's not something we really want from him, but it's always a nice perk when they're trying to dump a ball off and he can stake one.
0: Yeah, it goes, yeah, goes to his versatility, mm-hmm. for sure, Rags. And I think that's why this unit is going to really, they'll be able to hold that defense together. You know, I think when you look defensively, obviously you feel good about what's on the back end and what's on the front end. It's just those linebackers that are creating a lot of concern.
1: All right, let's bring in Mason Plummer now. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at MasonPlummer6, so a contributor to SlapTheSign.com, and now a contributor to the Blue Gold Report. And, Todd, you had a chance to sit down with, uh, with Mason. Why don't you tell everybody what you know? What we could look forward to hearing here? Well, I think
0: I, I'm going to invite Mason in. This is such a busy time of the year for recruiting, and he follows it religiously. So I'm going to start bringing him in here. And, and there were three guys that signed since our last show, yep. Rag. So Mason breaks that down a little bit. And I try to dive in a little bit more about some general recruiting questions with him as well. And so back by popular demand for a second week in a row, Mason Plummer joins us. He's a contributing writer for slapthesign.com. He's a sophomore at Ball State and just a genuinely good guy and smart guy. And I want to bring him on to talk more recruiting, especially this time of year, I think is clutch
2: Mason, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: No problem, no problem. I guess let's start there. How can people find you, and is, do you have anything posted right now that folks might be of interest in?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm writing on slapthesign.com, as you mentioned. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mason plumber 6. That's, that's the social media I'm most active on. I just posted a wide receiver recruiting update just yesterday on slapthesign.com, if you want to check that out. Um, a little insight on Jay Brunel, the most recent Notre Dame commit, which we're going to get into in a little bit, I think, right?
0: Indeed, indeed. So let's dive right in. A Pretty busy, as is this time of year, busy recruiting week for Notre Dame. We have three new guys since our last show. So I'm just going to throw them at you Um, with the commitments from Landon Bartelson. He's a 6'1", 182-pound athlete from Kentucky. He's a three-star guy. And another three-star guy, as you mentioned, Jay Brunel, Six foot one, two hundred pound wide receiver. Um that fifteen kids now in this 2020 class. 247 sports.com has this class ranked at number five. But let's dive in to a few more specifics on these guys. Let's start with Landon Bartleson.
2: Yeah, so Bartleson, interesting. It's not your prototypical guy that Notre Dame goes after at uh, at cornerback. He's a running back in, in high school, actually, but he stood out at a couple camps and Notre Dame started to target him. They thought he was uh, he had enough uh, skills to be able to play the cornerback position. He impressed the coaching staff, and that's what he's going to be looking to do at Notre Dame. He committed uh, earlier this week on the 24th, and uh, he's a real lengthy guy, hopefully, to be a Julian Love kind of guy, underrated, a three star guy, but um, a, a player that the coaching staff's really high on. When you when you hear about him, when you're doing your research, is he a guy that perhaps is a little underrated? He absolutely is underrated. Yeah, just from a running back standpoint, a lot of a lot of different teams. Um, he yeah, he had a lot of big offers, but a lot of teams they didn't see him as a corner as Notre Dame did. They saw him as strictly a running back. But he was more than willing when Notre Dame asked him, "Will you play corner?" He said, "Absolutely." And um, yeah, so he sees himself as a defensive player now. So it's good to see.
0: Indeed, indeed. Let's move on to Jay Brunell again. I mentioned six foot. One two hundred pound wide receiver. What do you like? What What can you tell me about him?
2: This is definitely my favorite recruit in the class. There's a lot of great guys, but this is what I'm really excited about. Um, I see him as a, a taller, lengthier, more athletic Chris Fink. And Chris Fink actually was a a big contributor in getting Brunel to commit to Notre Dame. It was a crazy story how Brunell ended up coming to Notre Dame. He woke up Tuesday morning thinking he was going to Michigan. Right then, uh, Henning ended up backing out on Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame lost out on McMillan. Jalen McMillan to Washington and then opened up a spot for Brunel and Brunel always wanted Notre Dame. Notre Dame always wanted Brunel. It was more of Notre Dame showing the love and making him a priority they did and then he ended up committing yesterday. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Brunel coming right off of a, a visit to Ann Arbor? Right. Just this past weekend, yeah, Brunel was at Michigan. They really hyped him up. Uh, Harbaugh did his thing, uh, just as he did with Henning. And, uh, yeah, great weekend for Michigan, really, as much as I hate to say it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, almost had Brunel, too. Almost stole him from Notre Dame, and uh, but Notre Dame won this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that, that's been a really interesting head-on-head since Harbaugh arrived and uh, the Brian Kelly, Jim Harbaugh, I think Notre Dame's actually won most of those over the last recent years, but but certainly Michigan wins their fair share, too. I'm going to move on to the 2021 class, okay? Right now, there's only five kids, so we can't really talk about it. It's a little bit unfair, obviously premature, to start talking about recruiting rankings. But right now, I'm seeing Notre Dame as the with these five kids as number one, number two class. They added another guy, and it's a four-star guy, who I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mason was either like the number one or number two tight end of the country, depending on where you look. Guy by the name of. Kane Barong.
2: Yeah, Kane Barong, actually. So I've been studying this guy a lot because he kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody's really expecting him to commit so soon. And uh, Notre Dame's been recruiting the tight end position really well That in the 2020 class and landed number one and number two tight right. ends in Meyer and Bauman. And then they get another one in 2021 in Kane Barong. And this guy, he's just so big for his age. And really, if he started playing football at Notre Dame now, you couldn't tell him apart from a guy like Cole Kmet or Brock Wright. He's absolutely one of the best tight ends in the nation, regardless of age. And I, I recruit him really excited about
0: yeah they list him
2: at six foot four and a half inches 220
0: pounds so a a big kid for sure i'm always intrigued mason when guys come in and there's a whole bunch of good dudes in front of them yet they are willing to take that on does that surprise you at all given the sort of the hierarchy you mentioned two of the better tight ends in the class ahead of him did that surprise you that he chose Notre name and he wasn't deterred
2: by that? No, not at all, actually. You've seen it with the defensive end position. Great players want to play with great players. That makes them better that way, and I really think that Kane Barong is seeing guys like Cole Komet succeed. He's seeing Aliza Mack succeed. He's seeing, you know, even in the past, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Tyler Eifert, guys like that, he's seeing them succeed and in go into the NFL and be great players. So, if he can learn anything from Cole Komet, who I expect to be a first-round, second-round yeah. draft yeah. pick, if he breaks out like he should this season, then that that's just a great guy to bounce things off of and really learn from. I think if you want
0: to go down the list of potential breakout players for Notre Dame, I think Cole Komet would also, in my opinion, I'm I'm following your lead here, would certainly be within the top three, in my opinion, and maybe at the top of the list. Absolutely. Okay, so the recruiting season, we're still humming along
2: here, obviously. This is the time of the year. Are there any targets that are jumping out at you that uh, Brian Kelly and gang are looking at? Yeah, so Cameron Martinez is a guy that's been back and forth. You know, um, Notre Dame has a shot with him, hasn't had a shot with him. What is he? He's a cornerback. Sorry about it. Yeah, he's a corner, and you know Notre Dame's struggled to recruit the quarterback position, as I've highlighted in multiple articles now. Uh, it's something that's really frustrating to see because they've been recruiting other positions very well. The defensive line's recruiting like never has before. Right. We're getting top-notch wide receiver recruits. Chris Tyria, five-star running back. And now, um, locking down the corner position was what we need to do. And uh, Cam Martinez is a guy that can do that. He's a four-star, and he's really a stud. I think one of my favorite recruits in this class as well. And hopefully Notre Dame can land him, but it's about 50-50. It's going to be tough to see. Is he just an all- purpose kind of guy? Does he rely on speed, instincts? What, what, what? He's quick. Okay. Uh, so you're seeing Notre go after height with a guy like Bartleson. Okay. And then Clarence Lewis, who committed to about two weeks ago. and then So those are the long rangey guys, long arms, guys that can play the ball in the air. But Cam Martinez is just quick. And that's what you need, a guy with a burst of speed and get to the ball really quickly. Mason, I want to switch gears on
0: you a little bit. I'm going to throw something at you because it seems like every year this time of the year... When you look at Notre Dame's recruiting rankings, and it's happening with the 2020 class, number five, according to 247 Sports. I mentioned the 2021 class, although only five kids, but they're certainly off to a quick start, one or two, depending on where you look. But eventually, Notre Dame always seems to settle in in about that 12-13 range. Why, why is it that Notre Dame is able to get off to such quick starts? And I'm not saying a, tw- a number 12 class is a disappointing class. And certainly we talked about it last week. It seems like this 2020 class might have some very much top five, definitely top 10 staying power. But why do you think it is that repeatedly Notre Dame sort of hops right out front of the gate Number five class, number two class, but then ultimately they sort of settle in at that 12 13 range.
2: So I think a lot of it is not keeping the foot on the gas pedal. They're getting a couple of their top recruits, like, all right, we're, you know, they're almost living off that. Like, all right, yeah, guys, we got it. And then you just got to keep your foot to the gas pedal. And that's what Mike Elston's been doing this year, along with Brian Polian and, uh, and Brian Kelly. They're really keeping their foot on it and getting the guys that they need in order to take Notre Dame back to a national championship contender. Let me throw this back at you and tell me just to get your thoughts on it. Do you ever think it's because,
0: does this factor in at all? If you're a Notre Dame guy, you're a Notre Dame guy. So you're not maybe one of these elite recruits that wants to wait around, wait around, play the game, play the game. So Notre Dame lands, maybe it's premier talented guys right away. They're
2: committed. They're all in. Do you think that factors in at all? I think it's Notre Dame's a tough place to play and a tough place to succeed. If you go to a place, not even to to rap on Clemson or Alabama or Georgia, any any place sure. like that, but it it's, goes without saying that their academics aren't at the same level as a Notre Dame, Northwestern, Stanford, somewhere like that, top tier universities, regardless of football. A, a place where a degree gets you places and um, when you have to focus on academics just as much as football if not more so and then you're playing in the cold weather of South Bend, Indiana you're not playing in, right. in Florida, Alabama somewhere really warm. You know it's a it's a tough place to succeed but it takes the right kind of guys and I think that's more of a testament to how well Notre Dame is doing. Getting the right kind of guys, great great football players as well as great people, great men and um, that succeed in the classroom as well as on the football field. And it seems like Brian Kelly's really
0: hitting his stride more and more. You know I know this will be his 10th season but it just seems like the guys they're getting in more and more fit that notre dame role okay mason tell us again how to find you where to find you let them all throw it out there
2: yeah so uh, again at, on twitter at mason six i've been writing on slap the sign pretty frequently you'll see me on there a couple times a week a couple times a month um been fo- i've been featuring a couple different podcasts i'm trying to just keep my name out there and um but, yeah, I'm always up to date with Notre Dame Recruiting on my Twitter and on Slap the Sign. And, uh, yeah, as I, I said this again last week, but um, Slap the Sign, you're not going to find necessarily breaking news, but you're going to find great analysis. We have a great core group of guys there, guys and girls as well. We've recently added some new girls on there. And, uh, yeah, you're going to get great analysis, not so much breaking news, but for some in-depth analysis on players, coaches, whatever you want, it's there.
0: And I love it, Mason, because like I said last week, A lot of opinions, and I'm one of those guys that loves to read opinions, whether I agree with them or disagree with them. Mason Plummer, thank you very much, and we are going to have you on as a regular recruiting dude. We are off next week with the 4th of July weekend, but we will certainly invite you back shortly after that. Thanks again, my friend.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ty. I appreciate it.
1: All right, let's wrap things up here now, Todd. Another one in the books. Let's uh, let everybody know we're off next. Happy Independence Day, by the way. Let's get Thanks, it out ma'am. of the way. Uh, have a great 4th of July. We'll be back the week after to uh, uh, maybe even talk more recruiting news for sure and uh, what we have to uh, for the rest of the st- summer. Camp
0: will open August 4th. So you're talking about Independence Day, July 4th. We're only going to be a month out, believe it or not. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, yeah, it really is. It comes around so fast. So indeed, and you know once camp opens... That flies by, too. So September 2nd, will be here before you know it, Rags.
1: (laughs) Nobody wants to wish the summer away. That is for sure. Right, right. Uh, Todd Burlidge, you can find at Todd Burlidge. I'm at Rags 92.3. And then Mason Plummer, of course, is at Mason Plummer 6. Todd, have a great 4th of July. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Sounds good, my friend.
0: This has been a presentation of Opt-In
1: Productions.